Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Thank you, everyone. I think some people are still rolling in, but we'll get started. Um, so we can get through everything. We have a lot of stuff to cover today. Um, this is actually a very fun class. This is the second module of what we call uh, CLEAN, obviously, which is our acronym, um, L being learn to live without. And so what does learn to live without really mean? Well, we're going to cover stuff like budgeting, saving, thinking about you know the right mindset to take on making purchases, personal spending, savings, investments, and so I know there were a lot of questions over the last four weeks, uh, you know, around what should I invest in? How should we think about the market during, you know, these uncertain times? I'll say one thing before we start. We're not financial advisors and we're not going to, there's no magic bullet and we're not going to tell you what to do exactly, right? But what we want to do is give you and arm you with the right resources that make those decisions and think about how to think. We're not going to tell you what to do. We're going to tell you how to, how you can think about it. So, Sean, is that is that the right way to present it? Absolutely, absolutely. It is. Like, we're here to guide you, and and if you do go seek a financial advisor or you work with some financial institution, it's it's important to be able to ask the right questions. Like when you sit in front of people, money managers, it's it's important that you know the lingo. You know how to ask for certain things. You know to determine certain things, and you know people managing your money. It's a collective thing. Are you managing your money? It's you know it's collective. It's not one person dictating to you what you should do it's you kind of telling them your needs your your goals what you're trying to achieve and them building a game plan around that everybody's financial portfolio someone have its own personalization to it like if larry and i sat down you know we're at different points in our life larry's financial outlook his portfolio should look totally different than mine excuse me mine should look different than jeff jeff's is like heading into retirement if not somewhat semi-retired so his his financial situation should look different than mine. So everybody should understand, like you, it's not a cookie cutter uh, scenario, and that's what we try to preach because we find a lot of financial literacy programs they're they're just trying to cookie cut everything and thinking that whoever you are, everybody should be following kind of the same game plan, and that's not necessarily true because as we preach from day one, it's really about putting a financial plan based around your lifestyle, your wants, and your personal goals, and your and the people around you that you love goals as well. So we always say, you know, we taught you credit. Hopefully you guys got a good, really solid, fundamental understanding about credit where it gave you confidence and, you know, credit scores now, you know, credit bureaus and, you know, good credit, bad credit, you know, the credit report. So now I always say, yeah, you can know everything about credit, but if you don't manage basic fundamental um, needs and fundamental understanding of lifestyle things, then having good credit may not even help you. And that's why one of my favorite topics is to talk about learning to live without because having a wealth, having creating wealth is, as we say it from the beginning, is a mindset. It's not just watching your credit score. It's basically every transaction you, every transaction I do right down to Tic Tacs I bought this morning. It's a thought process for me. It may be a second. It may be two seconds. It may be 10 minutes, but it's a thought process. Like when I bought a pack of Tic Tacs from the corner store, I was like, am I really going to keep using Tic Tacs? Maybe I should just buy them in a large bulk. 
that kind of wealth minds, or this just going to be an impulse buy where I'm only going to buy these Tic Tacs today and probably won't buy them for another two months. And even though it was a split second thought, it's something that I think about. You know, I've been buying vitamin water all week. I just had the urge for vitamin water from the corner store. I'm like, you know, I need to go buy a case of vitamin water so I can save. And that's like the wealth mindset of understanding where the opportunities are and not being scared to like take advantage of them. So the first slide that we have, um, it's talking about wants versus needs. Larry, if you can slide over to that slide. And that slide is very fundamental, but very, very important. Um, and one thing about the country that we all live in, which is like the, the gift and the curse is that America does an excellent job at creating needs. Like for example, point in, point in case, now one of the biggest things I've seen marketing right now within the last week or two, I'm sure you can all agree, um, to help wave your hand or say say I agree if you if you if you do agree where that the iPhone 12 came out AT&T is marketing Verizon is marketing all these different people are marketing this new phone now what they're doing is creating a need making you think you need the iPhone 12 but you know as my 15 year old son will tell me it's not the same this it's the same phone from the 10 11 and from the 10 and the 11 and probably the 8 but what's, what's the little niche that they're trying to sell you on is that it's going to be on a 5G network. You're going to have this super speed that I'm guaranteeing none of us will probably see the difference. Only if you're probably gaming or something really where you're going to be like, oh my God, my phone is fast. I don't think I will see the difference. I don't think most people see the difference, but they're good at marketing and making you feel you have to have the iPhone 12. You have to be on 5G because your world is going to change. And what that does, that encourages you now to spend. And what we're trying to teach you is to be able to control that urge and manage that urge. And it's hard for us in the country that we live in because they're coming at you all the time. Do I want an iPhone 12? Absolutely, but I have to control the urge and be like, I don't really need it. I have the 11, I'm good. I'm, I'm gonna wait until the price goes down until there's an opportunity when I think it's the best time to buy. Because right now they're all geared around, especially leading into the holidays. It's all intentional. The phone comes out. If you really notice the big phones come out coming into the holidays because it's a great gift, but it's what America does best is create this need. And you have to be able to decipher between what you want and what you need. So let's go through some basic needs. Um, I love class participation. So if somebody can read out a couple of the needs for me, let's go with, uh, my, uh, let's go with Maria. Myra. <laughs> My apologies, Myra. It's okay. I, I, so, I mean, I'm so, with names, so I apologize. That's okay. So you said the needs, right? Yes. Okay. So some of the needs that you might need is food, groceries, or and nutritious foods, shelter, rent. This includes rent, mortgage payments, utilities, uh, maintenance, and basic furniture. Um, some basic things are like um, clothing, um, transportation, and medical care. So, Myra, do you believe those are all all needs? Um, yeah, those are all needs because, I mean, you need um, food, obviously, and you need somewhere to live, and you need something to wear, and transportation, like, to go to work or anything, and medical care because in case, like, let's say something happens to you, you know? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Then. Can these needs, can food and groceries be actually a want as well? Yeah, you could because like it says right there, dining out. Like some people prefer to eat outside than to eat in at your house. That that's a that's you wanting something, you know. That's not you actually needing it. Exactly, exactly. Okay, let's go down the next one. What about shelter, more rent, mortgage? Could that be actually a want as well? Um, no, that's I don't think that could be. I mean, somewhat somehow. I mean, if you want to buy like a house, and but you're already living in an apartment, that kind of would say that's a want. If you don't have the money for it, I guess you would save for it. But I could see why it would be a want. What if you make a hundred dollars a week and your rent is ninety dollars? Is, is it a need or a want? Wait, could you repeat like, that? What if you make a hundred dollars a What if you make a hundred dollars a week? Okay, hundred dollars mm -hmm. a week. Make the math simple. You make. You make you make hundred dollars a week. Your rent is ninety dollars a week. But there's places. This is because it's by the water. You have this great view. But there's places that are just as nice, but maybe not in the same. Not exactly everything you want, but it's only fifty dollars. But you'd rather pay the ninety dollars. Is that a want or a need now? Mm, I guess that would be like a want because you want the luxury. You know what I'm trying to right. say? But is it? It's, but do you need it? 
you don't need I mean you don't need it it's just for you to feel good about it like when you wake up and stuff I guess and that's what we love to do in New York we love to fake the funk you know how many people I know living do you know people that are living beyond their means just to act like they have it but they don't yeah that's a lot of people I guess I think they they try to um right there in some of the wants I saw um a designer clothing a lot of people like to flash um designer but don't have money in their pockets it doesn't make sense exactly i don't even understand like you know i wish my name was you know ralph lauren is a name of somebody tommy hilfiger is somebody's name i mean i'm thinking of old brands sorry i'm old i don't know no, it's okay my, some people still wear them too my point is like can you imagine your name is myra what's your last name ramirez myra M- ramirez can you imagine myra ramirez people are going to spend hundreds of dollars to wear a shirt with your name on it and advertise for you. That's what you're doing. You're advertising for Ralph Lauren. You're advertising for Tommy Hilfiger. You're marketing for them by putting their, splashing their brands, Gucci, uh, Louis Vuitton. Is it somebody's name as well? You know, you are paying them to wear their name. And they're reaping all the benefits. It just doesn't make sense to me. Exactly. Would you, would you be laughing if you walked down the street and you saw everybody wearing your shirt? And they're running up to you to give you money to wear a shirt with your name on it? Yeah, it would be kind of like, damn. You like, mean like it's so ridiculous? Can you imagine how Ralph Lauren and Tommy Hilfiger and Louis Vuitton are in, in, in closed doors? They have to be laughing. Like people are paying me hundreds and thousands of dollars to wear my name, splash my name all over them. Just like, And it's like not a big thing. It's just like a little thing. It's like on the side of your shirt. And that's it. Part of this club, like you have it, so it's like that's why I say, is it a want? It's not. It's it's it is all that is a want because, like I'm saying, like you don't need it. Like you can really go, like you could go thrifting and buy and and see the same things for cheaper prices. You know what I'm trying to say? But some people don't like doing that because it's you know thrift stores, but they'd rather go to the store and actually get the like you know some people just like going to the store to get the actually the experience of going to buy the thing i don't know if that makes sense i agree with you i tell people all the time fashion is confidence mm-hmm. have confidence in what you wear and how you are you'll always be in fashion you yeah because you need to pay the exorbitant prices to be part of a club that makes you feel like you're a part of this you're part of this club if you this. can, you can, you can dress very nice. I'm not telling everybody to go to Walmart and shop through the aisles. I, I'm not, I'm not saying that as well because I do believe there is a there's a fine line between cheap and quality. You know, quality will last long. There's great brands that have great quality and last a long time. You know, but you know, and those brands, you know, I I can have my personal feel. Like for example, I, like I like J Crew, but I'll only buy clearance. I will never buy when it comes right out. You know. I don't like, because I like you because the brand is not splashed all over my shirt and people would never know it unless, you know, so, but I buy clearance, I buy sales stuff and I'm willing yeah, to be- wait. Because at the end of the day, you're getting the same thing that people paid full price for, but you're just waiting to get a better deal. Exactly. I'm not first in and like the brands where they never move their price because they know people want to be part of the exclusive club. Like, you know, for example, Burberry, Louis Vuitton, Gucci, all those brands. They never have to move their price because they know they have the consumer that is going to buy them because they want to be part of this exclusive club. I've seen people I float around on flights and people sitting back there with coach with me with with Gucci luggage or Louis Vuitton luggage, and I don't understand it. I'm like, okay, it's like we're still in the same. We're still in the same. You're not first class. Like we're still in the same coach. You know what I'm trying to say? Exactly. So for you, is, is this making sense to everybody that's listening, or are we just going off too far? But it's really to create a mindset. <laughs> You have to understand your wants and your needs. And a lot of people will sit down and they'll try to sell me on like as simple as, as crazy as it sounds, like how, you know, high-end fashion is a, is a need, not a want. But if you really look at how you spend and how you, and how you um, allocate your money and you really take a breath and think about it, a lot of times you're, it's, a want and it's, a, it's, a, it's a want and not a need. And there's a lot of things. It's because the country we live in, too, it's, it's based on creating there are a lot of brands, like even in the grocery store, we're talking about groceries. Like, for example, yeah. there's brands that the grocery store sells, grocery store brands. Can you guys hear me clearly, by the way? Am I clear? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, guys. you good. Yeah, you good. There's grocery store brands like that are, the grocery store brands are usually the companies that 
like for like craft, let's just talk about macaroni, macaroni and cheese, craft dinner. And there may be the grocery key span craft dinner. If you look at the, at the, um, who's the manufacturer, it's craft. Craft will, Keyspan will hire Craft to make macaroni and then they'll put their own brand around it. There's a lot of like the no-name brands that people don't want in grocery stores that are made by the same brands that you would pay extra money for. But you, you know, so you should really, these are ways in which you can save money and understand and like really break down, you know, and if you really separate your wants versus your needs, you will see that there's a lot of money that could be saved. Like, for example, even when it comes to clothing, like I have, you know, my basic clothing that I'll, I'll, I'll have for work and those type of things. But then I might have something extra I put in the side if I need to go somewhere special. But it's those things that save you money. And there's all kinds of now your world is so different than my world. Like coupons is not a thing where you pull out all these papers out of your bag and you're you, you're cutting out things, you know, retail me not, you know, um, price matching is excellent, like staples. A lot of even when you go to Staples, anything that sells at Staples, if you if you, when you're waiting in line to buy something at Staples or pick it up, they have price matching. Does anybody know what that means? Emmanuel, do you know what price isn't that? Go ahead. Isn't that when they match the price that if you find it like in a other place like cheaper, they match the price that you found it at? Exactly. And how does that work? Um. I think I'm not sure. I just know that um, like this one time when I was like in line, some lady did it like she pulled out her phone and she said, oh, like they're selling it over here cheaper. And then they just gave it for, to her for that price. But I really don't know how like how she did it. She must have taken my class. Exactly what I do. If you're in line and you Google and you find it on Amazon or a reputable place and it's cheaper, all you have to do is show them at the cash register. And hey, the Sean, let me let me jump in real quick. Absolutely. What you're, what you're explaining is an example of growing wealth as you spend your money, because you're spending money wisely through utilizing it at the smallest or the cheapest uh, way to get the quality you want. I personally went out and was looking at a printer to buy. Office Max had the printer in New Jersey for um, $60 less than Staples. So when I got to Staples, I showed them office max and they said yes we are we honor that and we'll match it so i saved 60 dollars on a printer just by showing them on my phone with a with a um app that showed me the lowest price up for that printer at the store that was in new jersey you know so you can do this across the board and that's one way but the with with what we're discussing today with by living without it is the Number one way young people who have time will vastly grow their wealth faster if they allocate that number to set aside for assets instead of spending it on trivial brands, high rent, fancy cars, or, you know, just fancy foods that, you know, they can utilize and get cheaper. Thank you. I love Rashana's comment. I also believe some people just want quality products rather than just a name. But then again, not everything expensive is good quality. Absolutely. And that's what makes a smart consumer, a con an educated consumer is a term I like to use, where you're actually understanding that expensive does not mean good. You have to really do your homework because there's a lot of things that I know that I'm not paying extra for because I know it's not worth the price, the value. So you're absolutely right. And that's what makes an educated consumer. It's someone that can really analyze that and critique that and understand that just because it costs a lot doesn't mean it's good. And just because it's cheap doesn't mean it's good either. There's a fine line and you have to figure that out as an educated consumer. Let's go to the next slide, Larry. Oh, we're already on the next slide, sorry. I'm not even paying attention. So this is a this gets a little deeper for me, which is what I love. Um, let's have somebody read it out and help me through it. Let's do it, Ms. Vargas. Are you there, Angelise? Yeah. Uh, do I want or need it? A, is this an emotional purchase imposed by? So B, is this... No, stop there. Uh, what is Maybe it's, it's like... Um, like maybe it reminds you of something. That's why you buy it. Yeah, what's, a, what's an impulse buy? 
Does anybody know what an impulse buy is? Can somebody help her out? What's an impulse buy? Like, you don't really think about it. You just buy it because you're there. Let me ask you guys a question. When you go into a store, where do you think they, they, they strategically put the items that they want you to impulse buy? Where are they? On display. In the front. In the front. Where in the front? Right by the cash. Right by the cash register. So you're just like, oh, shoot, let me just grab this and put this in the cart. Companies pay those grocery stores, those retail stores, thousands of dollars to position and put their stuff right by the cash. Cash, putting your items right by the cash register in, in grocery stores and retail stores is what I like to call prime real estate. And people pay for that space because they know you'll just grab it impulsively and put it in the cart and pay for it. And those are the things you have to ask at that last minute. Do I want or do I need this? I go to the grocery store every Sunday with my two sons. And this is what we go through every Sunday. I'm like, no, put that back. We don't need it. Put that back. We, do we want it or need it? And, you know, sometimes we treat ourselves, don't get me wrong, but that's the whole exercise at the grocery store. Burlington Coast Factory is a prime example of that also. Mm -hmm. Because I would say for myself, almost every time I go there and I go to check out a register, there's always a chocolate or candle or something that's in the line. I, I don't need it because I didn't came to the store to buy it, but I wind up buying it anyway because it's right there and I'm like, there's only a couple people in front of me to the carriage, so I just grab it. Exactly, exactly. And what um, either Larry or, your, Larry or you and Adam put together this beautiful chart, which really kind of summarizes it. It has want and need on the, um, the Y and the X axis. So on one is going vertical, one's going horizontal. And if you look at it, it's something to always remember. So want, if you prioritize, well, Larry, you can take them through it. I think it's great. I'm not going to take credit for this chart. I found this on a Medium post, but I thought it was a really good way of summarizing it because you had mentioned earlier, Sean, when you were talking to Myra, right? Certain things can be both wants and needs. It's not black or white, right? Um, so, you know, if you talk about food, right? If you talk about, you know, very good food, it might be a, might be a want, but... If you talk about, you know, basic food, delicious, you know, like, let's say socializing the whole sort of experience that comes out with dining out, it could be both a want and a need. And if you want, or, or let's say something like I use the example of like, you know, like a dress shirt for, for guys, if you're going for an interview, right. You, you want it cause you look good, but you also need it because it let's, let's be real. You know, you have to look the, and play the part when it, when you're going for a job interview. And so if it's something that you want, it's something that you need. You probably want to pursue it, right? That gives you a good justification. We're not telling you to never, we're not telling you to always go for the cheaper thing or always, you know, try to stay away from things that you want. We're not telling you to live that life. We're telling you that you have to think about, you know, how much you need it and how much you want it. If it's something that you want and something that you don't really need, we just talked about it, you know, the chocolate bar. Think about, should you prioritize it? Again, you, you don't have to, not buy anything, but if you're going to choose one thing, you got to realize that that's, that's a trade-off, right? It's all math to, to borrow a term that we've been hearing around the TV a lot these days. It's all math. So if you buy, if you spend money on this thing, you're going to have less money left for all your other stuff. So you just have to, you know, be mindful of that. And, and we'll walk you through the budgeting stuff in the next couple slides. If you really need something, but you don't really want it, well, recognize that it might be good for you, right? Let's say I use education as an example. If you, if you think that you can advance uh, in your career, if you take a class, right? A lot of people are taking these coding classes. It's expensive. It's hard. You know, you might not really want to do it, but if you actually really need it, then you need to make that call on whether or not this is right for you. And obviously the easiest one is if you don't want it, you don't need it. Well, you probably want to avoid it. So I'll stop exactly. there. Thank you, Larry. And, you know, now we're, we're going to kind of segue into, you know, I always believe, you know, life is short. I'm not this person that believes in just living this frugal life, but I believe in rewarding myself for things that I really want. And regardless if anybody wants to judge me, you know, if I really want that Gucci bag, then it's something I'm going to reward myself for down the road. You know, it's not for me to judge you and say, hey, you know what? I just really like this bag and it's something I've always wanted. So yeah, so those, what are, those are, can be educated purchases as long as you think through the process and how you're going to get it how are you going to allocate the funds for it? And how are you going to do it where it makes sense? And that's what we call budgeting. You know, 
have I already taken care of my monthly obligations? Meaning, have I paid down my bills? Have I taken care of the things that need to be taken care of? And now do I think I deserve this? Like I'm always, you know, playing mind games with myself. Did I, did I earn this? Did I do the work that's needed for this? Did I put in the work that I put aside the money for this? Is it hurting me? So, you know, part of the things I ask is, it, have I paid off all my monthly expenses? Did I pay myself first? Did I save? You know, and if it's an item, like I said, with the iPhone 12, you might be like a year from now, see me with the iPhone 12, like, look at this guy, he just promoted not about the iPhone 12, but now he has one. But it would be like, can I maybe purchase it at a later date? Was there some kind of promotion that Verizon was doing that allowed me to have the phone at a discounted price? Have I done my research to make sure I've all the, I've exhausted all the options, I've looked for discounts, I've found, I've tried to be ways in which to be creative. You know, and back to again, are there any promotions, coupons, and discounts I can take advantage of? That's the mindset of an educated consumer. There's nothing in there that says to be an educated consumer, I need to be forever cheap. I need to be frugal. I need to not live a healthy and happy life. That's not being an educated consumer. Being an educated consumer is just being smart and creative in how you do things and how you purchase your items. Let's next, let's not, next, oh, excuse me, next slide, Larry. Planning for your monthly budget. Does anybody want to help me read that, please? Uh, planning for a monthly budget. Review George budget on the next slide and ask yourself the following question. The first question. Is George spending more, less than he is earning? Where is he spending more or less? Second question. What are his fixed monthly expenses? Third question. Let's stop there for a second. So let's start with the first one. What do you think is George spending more or less than he's earning? What does that say to you? Um, is he spending is he spending more money than he's making? Right. So give me an example of that. Do you know people that do that? Like for example, if I'm making okay, let me give you an example. If I make five hundred dollars a week, but a jacket that I really love costs seven hundred dollars and I buy it, am I spending more than what I'm making? Yeah. Because you're only making $500 a week. And you bought so should a I never buy that $700 jacket? You should have never bought it. You should have waited till it got on sale. Okay. could have got an affordable jacket. Right. So I agree. So that's the mindset. Or I can say, maybe I'll put down towards this. If I'm making $500, maybe I'll put down some money towards this jacket. Right. Correct? Correct. It's not impulsively buying the jacket right away at 700 when I only make 500 and why is it a bad thing to impulsively buy it right away and kind well, of refer I, back to credit say you have to put on credit refer back to credit why is it bad repeat the question again refer back to what we talked about in credit why is it bad why is it bad for that far huh you're being desperate you're being desperate absolutely and so if you're going to buy it and say you buy it on credit what could that do If you buy the credit, yes. I'm. If you buy the jacket on credit, I mean, one by you putting it on credit, you're actually like is you're being desperate at the end of the day because you're only making five hundred dollars a week. It's it doesn't make sense to put that on credit because in hindsight, you you won't be able to pay it back all at once. So what could happen? What are they going to do to you? Yeah, what does it do to your credit score? It brings it down because you're not going to be able to pay the amount that you put it on credit for. You're going to somehow, some way miss a payment and then it's going to add on. And by by time, you're going to see that the jacket is going to cost way more than what you actually brought it for because you exactly. missed the Exactly. Amazing. That's exactly the answer I was looking for. And this is how people, you know, this is why I want to drive the message home. This is how people run into like, having bad credit when you're like, well, we have bad credit. My credit's messed up because of these type of impulsive purchases. And before, you know, like, for example, I was applying for a, a, ref a mortgage, like they look at how many things I had on my credit card and what I had on it, and, you know, and I had like very little things on it and not materialistic things like that. If they see that you're just spending all these things that, you know, these things are what we talked about early, live assets versus liabilities, a jacket, a pair of shoes. They're not, it's not an asset it's not going to increase in value over time. You know, a lot of us in our position where the things that we own have no value to them. Like I said, from the beginning, 
you want to be on you want to be on the side of owning things that have value that will grow in value you know a jacket a pair of shoes is not doing that for you right are you guys there can everybody yeah. hear me yeah yeah so but i'm not telling you not to buy a jacket in life but i'm telling you like just like the young lady just said it's it's a way in which to think like if you have to save for it, put down for it then do it that way so you're not tied up to things that have no value and it's not going to help you grow that was a wonderful answer you gave by the way let's go to let's keep going what are his fixed monthly expenses does anybody know what a fixed monthly expense is uh is that something that doesn't change Correct. Like what? What doesn't change? What What are your some expenses you think that doesn't change every month? The, um, the, amount, of, um, the, the amount of your rent. Your rent is a fixed expense. Absolutely. Good job. What else? Uh, like Metro card. Metro card. There you go. Those are things you budget for. They're fixed expenses that you know you have to spend every month. Your 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 electric bill your cell phone bill, those kind of things, right? Yes. But I still believe, we'll talk about in the next slide, where although those, those are fixed monthly expenses, there are still opportunities in those expenses. And I'll, we'll go through it on the next slide once we get through this. Okay, so now that you've, you've wrote down, you've put down, well, you guys don't write, you probably put it in on your phone somewhere. Whatever your fixed monthly expenses are, what do you do with the remaining money? What should George do with it? What should he do with the remaining money? Actually, he pays off. He, he takes care of his fixed expenses. What should he do with the remaining money? Um, save. Save, exactly. Pay yourself first. But from savings, we should be going to what? We're always taught to save, 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 which is very important. But we should also have the mindset of saving leads should lead to what? Investment. Investing. Remember that. Absolutely. Well, always, some people always tell us, you like, oh, just save, save, save. Us saving in the bank helps the bank. It helps us too. But if we don't transition that into investing, you will be like how my grandmother was, who was a great saver, but never invested. Okay. It's important that you invest. And what is one of the first things you should invest in? Is this assets yourself yourself <laughs> yeah educating yourself believing in yourself the first most the, your for everybody here on this call has a business and your business is you and how you project that business how you carry yourself how you speak how you articulate all is part of your image and how people are going to perceive you so if there are things that you need to work on you need to work on them like I always knew my grammar wasn't the best and it's something that I always took, tried to work on and get better on because I know every email I send out, every notification I send, I know, I don't know if Ben's still on the phone, but Ben and I, we communicate a lot through, through email. Ben, are you still there? Are you there? Maybe he's not there, but I can guarantee you. I'm here in and out. <laughs> in and out. So Ben, here's a question for you. If my emails to you were just poorly written and poor grammar, would I be taking? Would I be teaching this course today? Uh, I mean, I'm a different case. <laughs> Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights and business solutions so powerful you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. <laughs> Generally speaking, Jen, I just tried to You're messing me up right now. But I... <laughs> If I if I were a, if if I didn't do what I do for a living and be the person I am, then yeah, I, I, I've I've definitely been taught that lesson myself. Also, like right. early on in, in my in my career, uh, I, I wrote to somebody I was looking for an internship for, and they wrote me back my same email with corrections, and was like, "If you really want to, you know, if you really want to have this opportunity, then you need to check your grammar." And and that was one of the biggest lessons that I've that I've ever learned myself too. I was four years into my career at American Express, and I thought my I thought I was a career guy. I worked at Chase before that, Payne Webber before that, and I had the same experience. It's so funny. And my boss sent me back the email with all these red marks. And it's something that just hits home. It's shocking. It's almost embarrassing. But if it doesn't change you, then I don't think anything will. And, you know, and it changed me. Shana, it really did. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm not as far along as you are or Mr. 850 in their career, but I've, I've interviewed people and I've been on the other side. I've been on interviews too, but you know, when you get a stack of resumes, when you get a stack of job applications, the first thing, even though there's like 400 of them, the first thing that pops out at you is if they have a typo, if they made a grammar error when you're reading through it and like, look, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't really affect, well, it's probably not directly related to how well you can do your job, but people will dingy for that, right? If they see that, that's probably the first thing they look for and they'll take your name out of the pile. So don't let little things like that, that's what we call attention to detail. That's another part of clean, right? So is education. Those two things, don't let those things slip by. Yeah, absolutely. My mother used to always say, how you talk to your friends and how you talk to your employers should be two different ways in how you speak to people and how you carry yourself. So we're gonna get into that in, in next week. So let's. I'm going. I'm going. I'm. I'm. I'm going off on an edge here. Um, let's go to the next slide. Let's go to actually looking at a budget. Okay. So this is a sample budget. If you guys can take a picture of this with your phone, because you should create something like this for yourself. Um, I have one for myself. I've carried up. I've created a budget, and I have a spreadsheet I've had since 2001. I'm proud to say. And if you don't, if you don't want to, Sean, I, I, I know that there's, there's a lot of apps out there these days that'll do this for you. So as long as you have a bank account, if you have a credit card, if you have multiple bank accounts, it doesn't really matter. The one I always think of that people use is Mint. I think that's a free one, M-I-N-T, Mint. Um, and it, you basically put your information in there. It's secure. It links, it pulls all the information from your account and it gathers every time you spend money and it knows the category because your credit card knows the category. And then I'll tell you, it'll, it'll do this basically automatically for you. For the most part, there's some errors that you need to like iron out. But for the most part, you have a pretty good sense of what's going on. Exactly. And the banks, the banks, a lot of the banks these days, if you have a bank account, they will have their own. Because Sean, I know you talk about Marcus. Marcus has their own. I think it's called Clarity Money or Clarify Money or something like that. But a lot of the banks will have those applications for free. Exactly. So once again, we're driving the message home. Even if you think you don't have a lot of expenses, and I initially did when I was probably your age, but this is what's building the discipline, okay? This is where the discipline starts, where the mindset starts, where you start having that wealth mindset, where you start controlling your own finances. And controlling your own finance, it really gives you control of your life and what you want to do. So even if you think, oh, I, all I pay is my cell phone bill and I only make $200 a week, this was where it starts. So this is a typical budget, Okay. So you start off with your total income, okay? So there's actual and then budgeted. So I think the difference is, is what you anticipate what your paycheck would be, what your income is going to be versus what it actually comes in at, which is good. And I always do that to, okay, what I think I'm going to make next month and then what I actually make, what I actually make. So you're always going to put in the budgeted line, what you think you're going to make, all right? And then it may be a goal. So now you can back into like this week I want to make, $400 this week 
and I'm making $20 an hour. So you'll tell yourself, I need to work 20 hours. And that's your goal. That's the mindset game you're playing. I need to make 20 hours. If I make 24 hours, I've exceeded what I'm planning on making. All right. And then you look in. So let's go down to income. Sorry. I'm looking at income. So you look at, you know, let's call bonus, whatever your salary is. Then your interest income may be if you're working at somewhere where you're getting tips or not. So you're like, I'm going to work hard at this job, this waitering job, because I budgeted this week that I'm going to make $60 in tips. And you'll be excited every day I get home. I'm going to count up how much I made in tips. I'm going to record it. And I'm gonna, and you'll see how you'll work harder at work because in your head, you know you want to make $60 in tips because $60 in tips is going to add to your budget and give you more disposable income to do the things that you want. And these are things that motivate you, you know, and then, okay, so there they have salaries. Then there's your salary there. And the bonus may be, you know, I, I do dog walking on Saturdays. That's my bonus money. That's my side hustle that people like that you guys like to use nowadays. And I'm going to try to walk five dogs this week to increase my side hustle money. Then that'll give me a total amount of what I'm budgeting for. So I'm trying to make 4,000 this month, but maybe you fell short at 3,000. So here's where the game plays. So now we look at our expenses. Your expenses should already be lined up. What did you budget this month? You're going to spend on your, let's just look through that. He budgeted, he's going to spend $200 on, on gas. He's going to spend 20, he's going to spend $120 on insurance and then entertainment is going to be $60 and groceries is going to be $400 and so forth. So you may come up with a total expenses. If you look at the top, your total expenses, if you go to the top would be $1,995. Is everybody with me on what I'm doing here? I don't want to be going too fast. Yeah. Yeah. You're with me? Okay. So this is where the game, I, to me, it's challenging and fun. I'm a very competitive person. So this is what I'm, this is where I say, you know, you're responsible for your own future and your own success. So when I'm looking at this every month, I'm looking at my budget. I'm like, okay, I only want to spend, I budgeted for $200 for gas. If I only spend 150, I've made myself $50. I've saved $50. So maybe I won't drive 10 different places or I'll cut down my driving activity because I want to save that $50. Maybe look at entertainment. You know, I hung out with my friends on day on Monday and Tuesday and I'm already spent, I've spent 40 out of the $60. Let me just relax Thursday and Friday. And then you'll tell your friends, this is where you are in control. Now I think I'm going to chill on Thursday or Friday. If you guys want to come by my house, you can, but you know, I'm, I'm already, you know, and you don't have to explain it, but you know, in your head, you've already spent what you needed to spend this week on hanging out. And this is where I'm going to save groceries you may be like okay i budgeted for 400 worth of groceries and you know what i'm gonna find coupons i'm gonna start buying some of the name brand stuff in the store maybe i don't need the starbucks cappuccino coffees that they're selling there i'll maybe only buy one versus two so i can cut back and save money and these are things where i call what i was referring to earlier is like opportunities where do the opportunities lie where i can save money like even i say cell phone there's a a lot of things like I have so streamlined my cell phone bill to the things that I really need and not the things that I don't need on it because they'll sell you all these different add-ons is what I call what they're called that and you probably don't wind up using them and every year you said January is always my month in which I look to see where I can save money expenses that I had even though they're fixed expenses like you know maybe I don't need so much speed on my internet maybe I don't need so much um Maybe I don't need so much insurance on my car. I'm, I go through all my expenses and I really try to find ways in which I can, I can cut back on something and save. And I call them opportunities. And usually every January, I've always been able to find ways in which I can save and do things a little bit smarter. And sometimes it's like, and it's talking to people too, like putting things out there in the universe, telling people like, I'm trying to save this, do you know this? And asking questions, not be ashamed of what you're trying to do, of being... Now we can call it frugal, but like finding it at opportunities and people like, like Larry is a great resource for me. Mr. 850 is a great resource for me where they're always like, if I throw things at them, they'll have ideas in which, Hey, you can do it better this way. Hey, we can save this way. So it's sharing that information. Be surprised how much you can save. Um, so that's why I call them opportunities. And then the, and the income is like, okay, how can I find ways to be smarter and make more money? Remember, I always say, how many hours are there in a day, everyone? How many? 24. 24. So it's what you do in those hours. We all have the same. I don't have 26 and you have 24 and somebody else has 18. We all have 24 hours in a day. 
And it's what you do with those hours and how productive you are in those hours and how much you can bring up your worth in those hours. If you can make yourself worth $100 an hour, that means in three hours, you can make $300. But if you're only putting yourself to be worth $20 an hour or $30 an hour, it'll take you 10 hours to make that same $300. So it's really about building your brand up, figuring out your getting to your worth so you can really drive that hourly wage up, if that makes sense. And that will add to your income. And really ask yourself, am I maximizing my time? You guys are in the perfect world. Like in my early career, there was no way you could be making the kind of money that, you, that this generation can make by being at home in shorts and slippers. We had to actually leave our house. It sounds weird, but we had to actually leave our house to make money. Now you're at the point where you can be at home and you can log on, you can go online and you can find ways in which to make money by not even leaving your home. And that's the world you're living in today, which is a wonderful world to be living in. Um, so this is a budget. Does anybody have any questions on the budget before I go to the next slide? Is this like the, is this like the, I've seen something similar with my bank. Like it has something like a similar breakdown like that. Yeah, most, most banks will, every bank will do it differently, right? Like it'll look a little different, uh, but they'll all have a tool and it's all going to be based on your actual spending maybe this month over the last six months of these different categories. Maybe they'll bucket them differently. Maybe they'll just call it one. They'll just say restaurants and groceries. Maybe it'll be separate, but yeah, it's more or less the same. It works on the same principle. You just add everything up. Um, and I think you should be able to set your own targets on your budget. Uh, but they'll have some recommendations, some of them. And a, and a good way in which to, now this is only for the brave, the ones that are disciplined and you have to get to this point of discipline. The, like how I manage my budget really good is that I put everything I spend on my credit cards. Cause we said your money can work for you. Putting things on your credit card makes your money work in three different ways. But that gets into being disciplined by understanding that within your budget now, you have to pay everything off every, every month. So it doesn't carry over your charged interest. But by doing so, you really get to attack your expenses. You really get to see where you're spending because it'll break it down. It'll say you're spending X amount of money on entertainment. You're spending X amount of money on gas. And you'll really be able to control your finances once you get, once you are able to put everything on a credit card and pay everything off and full every month. And then you'll be able to get rewards, points. Like for my credit card expenses, they pay for my travel. Right. So I don't have to have the expense of travel there. They actually give me discounts, you know, like, for example, I bought um, I needed a new TV and American Express for being an ongoing American Express user. They gave me a $200 credit to use towards Dell. So I was like, I don't need a computer. Let me go online and see what Dell has to offer. And to my surprise, Dell sells TVs. So I was able to buy a $400 TV apply the $200 credit from American Express, which made the TV cost $200 for a 450-inch TV. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's because you know, I'm an active user with American Express card. They gave me this discount. I didn't, I, when I thought Dell, I thought Dell computers, but then when I went to their website, I said, oh, they have a TV and I need a new TV. And I was able to get it half the price. This is the advantage of using credit because it allows you to make your dollar work much more than using cash. But once again, you have to know yourself. I can tell you this and how to do it, but you have to have that discipline to uh, get back to what we talked about wants versus needs. As simple as we just talked about it, understanding your wants versus your needs will allow you to have that control to know that I'm only going to spend what I earn. Is everybody clear on that? I'll make one last point before we, before we move on. Um, I think some people, I'm not sure any of you, but some people will, will say, Oh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll be able to, next time I see the candy bar, next time I see the TV, I'll be able to say no. Well, science and, you know, lots of people have studied this stuff. We're, human beings are really stubborn and it's really hard for us to change habits. And if it's in your habit that you're going to walk down the grocery store and pick up that candy bar every time, even though you don't want to do it, you're probably still going to do it. So this isn't a way to penalize yourself. It's almost a way to remind yourself unless you set goals, unless you actually put track this actively. And I'm not telling you to track as Sean said, you don't have to track every single dollar. If you put it on your credit card, they'll do it for you. Right. But 
if you're at least disciplined about it, if, if you at least have a framework around about how much you can spend, and sometimes you'll go over it, that's okay. But remember that you can't consistently go over it, then you'll be more likely to change. If you just tell yourself you're going to change, you're probably not going to change. That, that makes sense? Is everybody okay so far? Are we going too fast? Is, is this information helpful? Please let yeah. me know. Cool. I'm looking for comments. Yeah, Sean, I just want to add on top of what Larry just made, uh, comments he made, and the different emphasis you put with credit cards. This is like a one-two punch with benefiting yourself in terms of you getting a higher score, which will benefit you as you go forward in purchases and in business, along with developing the one magic word, and that is control. No one will look after your money more than you. No broker, no investment counselor, no uh, banker will look after your money more than you. Now, you, it's not saying you shouldn't get advice, but you're responsible. And if you develop the right habits at a younger age, you're like a you're you're like on a, a, a jet plane, and your money will skyrocket faster, and you have a better chance to deal with issues like what we're going through now, a pandemic, when they do arise. Exactly, exactly. And I'll tell you this: you may not see it, but you're going to see. It. There's people that prey on people that don't know how to manage their money and take advantage of them. I'm not telling you not to use a money manager or somebody to help you with your finances, but if you don't have a basic understanding of money management and a financial literacy, they're going to, they're going to prey on you and they're going to take advantage of you. And you're going to wind up losing a lot of money. So this for your own self worth and your own personal growth, you need to have an understanding of financial literacy and understanding the things that we're telling you so that you can be wise in the decisions that you make moving forward. All right. So how much time do we have Larry? We got five minutes, so we gotta we gotta push through this. And if we don't cover it all, we can finish it. But let's try to get as much as we can. All right, so let's go to the last slide. We got one more slide to show you guys. I know it's a lot of information. I apologize, but we really just want to make sure that you're 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 well equipped. All right, so the last one is investment accounts and asset classes. All right, so basically this is about um, different investment choices. Just giving a nutshell how investments work and what the different types of investments they are that are out there. Right. So um, I'm really we're going through this really quick and we will try to drill down a little bit better on it next week. But investment accounts. So when we say investment accounts, these are like umbrellas. If you look at umbrellas that have that are accounts built to manage different forms of investment. So the one that you guys have probably heard are individual retirement accounts or they like to call the IRAs. And I'll just kind of. So IRAs are basically they're called tax sheltered, meaning that you're not going to either you're not you're, you you will pay taxes on it eventually, but you're they're tax deferred, meaning that when you get older, when you get to the age of 59 and a half, you'll be allowed to withdraw money at it out of there. And hopefully you'll be in a lower tax bracket. So your taxes won't be as high. So when you make when you put money into your IRA, all the money that you can contribute into your IRA is tax deferred and you're not paying tax on it. They're really tax sheltered plan for when you retire. You'll have this set of money set aside for you to help offset your retirement expenses. All right. And your 401k plan works similar to an IRA, except that it's under a company. So companies may offer a 401k plan and 401k plans are great ways in which to save. I recommend to you when you start a job or if you're looking for a job, you should look for jobs. One of the benefits you should look for is looking, making sure they have a 401k and max out that contribution. And a simple reason is, is that sometimes a lot of companies offer um, matching programs where whatever you contribute, they'll max it by, they'll match it by a certain percentage. And to me, if they're maxing it by 20%, 30%, there's no investment out there in the market that will continuously give you that type of return on your investment. So it's, it's a really low risk, high return investment. And that's something I failed to do at a young age because I didn't understand it. And as I got older, I started putting more money into my 401k and, and getting involved in matching programs. But it's something that you should all, and I always say it's better you when you start a job to ask, to max out your 401k because money that you don't have, you'll never miss. So meaning that 
if you already started your job and they're paying you $100 a week and you decided to max it out at 30% of your pay goes into your 401k, which would equal $30 and you only net $70, you'll live off that $70. But if you, but if you take it out after the fact, you may start to miss it and you may, but if you never know what you're missing, then you're great, if that makes sense. So as you young people getting into uh, having a 401k plan is very, very important. Uh, brokerage accounts, once again, these are accounts that allow you to invest in stocks and bonds and, excuse me, in mutual funds and those sort of things. 529 plans, for all you parents out there, these are great saving mechanisms for saving for your child for college tuition plans, where you can allocate a certain amount of money, the interest that you earn is tax-free, and when you take the money out, it's tax-free as well, as long as you apply it towards some sort of education. That that you don't spend, you'll get back, but then it's just be, it'll just be taxable income. And so you, these you, are all, you go ahead. yourself too. So I have a 529 in case I go back to school, when I go back, if I go back to school. Um, it doesn't really matter, as long as it's related to you, you can spend it tax-free. Absolutely, my apologies, you're right. So it should be not just parents, kids as well. Um, you got a minute to talk about access classes and risk. So once again, this is a beautiful diagram. I'll let Larry explain because he put it out. He did it. He created it. And I think it's, it's fabulous. So go ahead, Larry. The way I'm not going to go through every single one of these for the sake of time, but I'm sure all of you guys have heard of all these things. You know, a lot of people say stocks. Sean talks about real estate a lot. We, we mentioned mutual funds and everything. But so all these things are what we call asset classes because we, we already talked about assets where, right, they're things that can make you money, things that can appreciate, can go up in value. And each one of them is a little bit different. Um, and the concept I want to bring up, I have two important concepts in the corner. One I want to talk about is risk and return. I want to talk about that first. So what is risk, right? Like risk is the, the probability that you will lose money or you can make money, right? Like the, the probability of something bad or good happening. It's just like a percentage, right? Luck, if you will. Because the stock market can go, can go up, can go down. Real estate can go up, can go down. It's hard to know. Um, and unless, you know, even if you're an expert financial advisor and you've worked in it all your life, like you still account for the fact that there's things that can happen beyond your control. So what we did is we ordered things from least to most risky. And what we mean by that is if you look at the least risky side, cash, right? If you've got cash or like cash in a bank and a checking account or a savings account, you're guaranteed by the FDIC, right? Up to $250,000. If the bank goes under, you're not going to lose that cash. So it's virtually no risk, virtually. Um, something like a government bond, it's guaranteed by the government, right? If you buy it, the interest rate is very, very, very low these days, probably less than 1%, but it's guaranteed by the government. So frankly, you have a very low chance of losing that money. On the other side, if you look at stocks, people don't realize that everyone talks about stocks, but stocks are actually one of the riskiest things if you buy them individually. If you look at... You know, if you look at some of the tech stocks that are going on, a lot of you guys, you know, Apple, Netflix, Facebook, all those things out there that people talk about. If you look at the stocks every day, they go up and down a lot, like four, five, whatever percent. In a year, they can go up 100%, down like 30, 40% if it's a bad year. Hasn't really been bad lately, but it can happen and it has happened. Just because it didn't happen doesn't mean it can't happen tomorrow, right? So what we want to explain is that if it's more risky, generally it has the potential to go up more, but it also has the potential to go down more. So when you're thinking about what to invest, you need to understand that you need a balance of different things. And that's the other concept, the concept of diversification. What diversification means is, is basically balance, right? If you invest in just one thing and it goes down, game over, right? If you invest in a hundred things, different things, different stocks, different bonds, different you know, mutual funds, like bits of real estate, um, then the chances of one thing bankrupting you is very low. And I'm not going to explain the math, but the math works out that if you spread your stuff out, if you spread your investments out, your risk of losing it is actually less than, you know, if you, if you just put all your money into a couple different things, it, it actually is less. So I'll stop there for the sake of time because if anyone has any questions, I just want to add something. I just want to talk quickly about what's in red there, which is Ponzi schemes. And just because everybody is probably going to get asked to be part of something like this in life. And I just want to kind of explain um, 
to you kind of some things to look out for. Is anybody is anybody familiar with the term Ponzi scheme? Hello? Hello? So just in a nutshell, a Ponzi scheme is basically where you're asked to put in money to something and you're not getting and and then in return you're gonna get a certain payout weekly, monthly, and it's gonna exceed what you put in. Okay. And we've all will get positioned ourselves one time or the other to be part of something like this, okay? And unless you guys are in like a susu is what we call it in the Caribbean where, you know, if you put in $1,000, $100 a week for 10 weeks and it equals $1,000 over time, you're going to get that th same exact $1,000 back. Those things are done throughout many communities. They're a great way in which to save. And, you know, I have nothing against um, susus or those type of, those type of saving mechanisms. What a Ponzi scheme is saying that you put in $100 and we're going to give you $1,000 back. And that's good. And you only got to put it in one time. But you have to refer five people or bring in six friends or bring in two other friends. And the thing about a Ponzi scheme, when people come at and, and they, now that I'm in the financial literacy space, they even come at me even more aggressively. That the key thing to look out for is that if you're, if somebody's asking you to invest in something and there's, and there's no service or no, product being sold within that but you're getting back this return that's a ponzi scheme nobody there's there's no business out there that doesn't provide a service or provide a product that can generate revenue without being a ponzi because nobody calls a ponzi scheme a ponzi scheme so i just want you to be aware of these things when people see that you're saving making money they're going to try to drag you in and be honest in my years of life i have not really met anybody that tells me about these great get rich deals that they can get involved in a lot of people are like oh i can do this and you, you can make i've never seen anybody become rich maybe there is that i don't know of but i've never seen anybody that with these great rich scheme plans that asked me to get involved in them two years down the road they're living the life it's really ways and they're really wrapped up ponzi schemes and how ponzi schemes work is that some people you may say well i know my friend he made a lot of money yes those that get in first usually do well. Is those that get in at the bottom are the ones that lose their money. And you have no way of knowing, are you in first or are you at the bottom? And either way, even if you do make money, you're really taking money from somebody else that's probably just a hardworking person and got in something that they didn't know what they were getting into. So that's that's what I wanted to say about Ponzi schemes, all right? I'll say sorry we had to rush through the class today. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope everybody learned a lot and we'll see you guys next week. Anybody else? Anybody else? I had a quick question. Go ahead. Yeah, so my question was, um, which investment should you start first? Like, you know, when you said to have a, like a balance and spread it out, which one is most important to invest in? Yes. So, so that's a good question. That's a really good question. Because a lot of people, myself included, when I first started out, I didn't have a lot of savings. And some of these things, you can't buy real estate, right? With a couple hundred bucks. Well, with exceptions, I think these days the beauty is a lot of new products have come up by people where you can buy pieces of things. Like people think about buying like a share of stock or like an entire building. You don't have to, you can buy like a piece of it now. Um, the simplest answer I will give you is if you just Google, uh, they call those like personal wealth management or like robo advisor is what they call it. So a popular company that I use is Wealthfront. Um, and then other people use Betterment. Some people use ones called Personal Capital. There's lots of different ones out there. I'm sure you hear about them. And a lot of the banks will also have these services. They're automated. So they'll take your money and split it up into fractions of a bit of everything. Real estate, mutual funds, bonds, um, international stuff, right? Uh, more risky stuff. And so you get a big balance. And, and, you know, for the most part, like it's not perfect, but for the most part, they do a pretty good job of that. And so if you want to just put your money there, don't worry about it. You can set a direct deposit so you can put, you know, a couple hundred bucks in every month, or even just, even if it's 20 bucks or five bucks, it doesn't matter every month, they will split that up. Uh, and they can do that because one, they're a bank and two, because they're taking everyone's money together and using that collectively to buy all this stuff. So does that make sense? Let me just add Add a little to what you're saying, Larry. I got two things. First, I want to say I want to address Rosalind's question. 
that is a Ponzi scheme. It sounds like a pyramid. Yes, they are. They're the same thing. Ponzi scheme and pyramids are the exact same thing. All right. They're just, they're just, and the words are just, the terms are just exchanged, but it's the exact same thing. And to answer your question, what, what Larry put there, the chat, less risky to riskiest. So in business and success in life and anything you do, what you have to learn how to manage well is manage risk. Everything comes with risk. So when you ask yourself, where should you go first? You start off with the things. If you go to things that are less risky, like what are here in this chart, like cash accounts, money market, government bonds, non-government bonds, those are less risky, but they tend, but because they're less risky, the return on them are not going to be as high. The riskier things like real estate, stocks, private equity hedge funds, those are the riskiest. They come with more risk, higher returns, but you could lose higher on those. So you want to have like a blend, right? And if you look at these certain things, like mutual funds are a way in which if you look at the definition of mutual funds, it's really letting the experts do their job. They handpick stocks, they handpick different investments, they put it all into one fund, and they look at the risk associated with it. So you can get into the type of funds that are less risky and that are riskier. And I've been, I myself, I am a fan of mutual funds and exchange traded funds where I'm letting the experts pick the stocks for me, pick the investments for me, and I'm looking at how well they have performed over the years. And whoever performs the best is whoever I'll invest my money in. I don't really handpick stocks because I'm not the expert. I let the professionals do it, if that makes sense. So you want to build a portfolio where you kind of have a mix. So you have some of your money in some risky stuff, but you also have your, you have, you've hedged yourself or backed yourself up and have stuff that are in less risky. So you can start building up with your money market and CDs. And maybe if you earn, say, $5,000 in CDs, maybe then you spend $1,000 in mutual funds or real estate or, or stocks, but you keep $3,000 back in something safe. So you always want to like analyze and risk when you're looking to invest. And this is, this is the last thing that I'll say. Um, and I'll, I'll, we'll, we have to go after this, but in terms of, you know, to give you guys some numbers, so, you know, um, and speaking of Ponzi schemes, right? So Sean said, if someone promises you that they'll 10 times your investment in a year, it's probably too good to be true. And, you know, you got to use your gut on that one. There are things that happen, right? Like if we look at Bitcoin and things like that, there are things where it, it can happen, but those are exceedingly rare and exceedingly risky and you can be on the losing end of it. But generally speaking, the most risky things that we put on here, the alternatives, people are targeting a 15, 20% a year return max. So if someone's telling you they can earn 10 times, which is uh, over a thousand percent your return, that's probably not right. right? <laughs> so that's, that's all I'm going to say. So it takes time. The lesson is things take time. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.